Hi there. Welcome to the Data Science Happy Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pettis, and today I want to talk about getting your data into shape. But first, why is data science even a thing? I mean, people have been working with data and computers since before I was born. Yet data science itself has become a thing in the last decade. Why? Well, there's a few reasons that are most often talked about frequently. One is that, well, computers are everywhere. They're fast, they're cheap, they're powerful. We've made some crazy advances in machine learning, like beating the best chess players and the goal players. They're winning at Jeopardy. I mean, we're even working on self-driving cars. And lastly, we have a ton of data. But not all of us who are working out in the field are working on self-driving cars. A lot of us are working in business and, and some more mundane problems. And yet we are still in demand, even though we're not doing the coolest of the cool things that are put out on the media. Why? Why are we still in demand? One big driver we don't really talk about is that the robustness and, and redefined design of our operating systems for computers, for the interfaces, have allowed the jobs that used to take two or more people to be done by a single person. What I mean by that is this. Like, like on a mainframe or Unix system, back in the day, uh, a system admin was not only a guru, but a gatekeeper. They knew how to run the systems, which were often really, really fragile. I mean, they had tons of workloads they had to manage. They had batches. They had online demands. And they had to keep the whole thing running. And the operating system was still pretty new, pretty in infancy, and things would break all the time. They had pretty high stressful sort of requirements on them. And they had to keep them running for their bosses. Now, an analyst with a program who wanted to come analyze some of that data was just another threat that could break their running system. So they weren't always too happy to work with the analysts and the people who want to do the machine learning or the modeling that, that we see being done today. However, systems, uh, sysadmins and analysts had to work together to make the whole thing run. I mean, the sysadmins were needed to make, make the whole thing run, to make it work at all. However, Analysts need to get their work done too because it was one of the main reasons that the systems analyst, or I'm sorry, the sysadmin itself had actually a computer to work with. They were the client. They were the reason they had it. So they had to cooperate in a certain way. But as I said, the sysadmin was the gatekeeper. They had to keep it running. So there is a power differential here. That was then. This is now. Now we have faster hardware and more sophisticated operating systems, or at least they're becoming more polished, which actually can actually be used by analysts. And those are analysts that are not dedicated uh, systems experts. And because of the advances we have with things like Amazon and Azure and Google Cloud, these operating systems, the state of the art today is that it allows for more isolation. Now sysadmins and analysts don't have to work with such tight coordination. They're working at different levels. A sysadmin can give an analyst a sandbox environment very easily these days and say, just go nuts. Here you have it. And they can work with it. So with that being the state of play today, data still needs loading. And sysadmins are now working at it on totally different problems. They don't need to worry about you know an, an analyst actually loading data and breaking the system or, or running a program that'll break it. They can isolate things down to the level where they can shut them down real quickly and it doesn't break the entire system if they've done it correctly. In my simplified view, analysts who were able to work the data loads out were able to leverage the added compute power to run machine learning models. And they started calling themselves data scientists. That's how we got to where we are today. Is that before we had to have these two coordinated people working, two coordinating job skills, at least two, there sometimes were more in between. Now with the, with the new isolated systems and the new sophistication, 
we can have one person who just works on that and not worry about coordinating with someone who says you're going to break the system. We don't need that anymore. We don't have that state anymore. Well, that's mostly true. I have a friend who was stuck for a few days because he couldn't get some data loaded. He was used to working with table-like data, like CSV files and database queries. And then someone handed him a file where the data format was JSON, which is a data format. JSON stands for uh, JavaScript Object Notation. This is a data format that can handle tables, but also more complex data, which also means because it's more articulated and has a more complex structure, it's harder to get tabular data into a tabular form that you can actually use, like CSVs are natively. And my friend was waiting around for a data engineer to transform it for him. When he told me about this problem, uh, he and I sat down for about an hour, and then we figured out. I, I, I worked with Jason before, and we were able to, to figure this stuff out. And we were able to get into a table form, at least the information he needed. Now he doesn't need to rely on the data engineer for the exploratory data purposes that he, that he has. Now, neither should you. To this end, I consider the following skills really helpful, if not, in fact, mostly necessary to being a data scientist. Not just the machine learning stuff, not just what you learn on Coursera, but the data manipulation stuff. Here's the list of things I think are either really helpful or really necessary. Number one. You need to know SQL or SQL. A lot of people come knowing this, but if you don't, you should find a way to learn it. A lot of the data sources you interact with are, are SQL databases or have SQL-like interfaces. Sometimes things like Microsoft Access and other things make forms for you and make queries very easily. But a lot of the big data you're gonna work with that you will need to work with don't have such a thing. And you will need to learn the language that interacts with that. And that language is SQL. So get to know that. Know how to get data out of CSV and Excel files in your tool. Whatever tool you're using, R or Python or whatever, know the tools that allow you to get data that work with CSV and Excel files. They should be thing number one you know how to do with your tool. Uh, thirdly, I would like to work with the command line a lot, with, with terminal interfaces. You should know a lot of the command line tools to at least peek at the data. A lot of times, especially if you are getting CSV files, Command line tools are just awesome at allowing you to at least just peek at your data. As I said, the, the data often comes in CSV files, and they, they're often huge. Using the command line, you can, from the Linux command line, you can use the commands head and less to look at the first few rows of a CSV file without loading the whole file. If they give you a huge, like, multi-gigabytes of file, a lot of the tools you have will have to load the whole file into memory or into the program, and then you can take a look at the top rows, and it might not parse correctly. If you know how to use the Linux command line, you can actually just easily sample without loading the whole thing. It'll just read line by line for the first six to ten lines, and then stop. It's quick, it's easy, and it's worth learning. I also use tools at the Linux command line like WC, which is a command that, well, WC stands for word count. I use it to count lines. Right, and sometimes count words, mostly lines, to see how many lines are in a file. It gives me a real quick count, and it's fast, it's optimized. They, these tools have been hardened over the course of generations now, so a tool like WC makes this fast. I also use um, a Python kit or a project that you can get online called CSV Kit. And I would look it up, look up or Google CSV Kit. In particular, I will use one of the tools called CSV Look, in which I can take the head of a file, the first few lines, and then I pipe it into here, add a command line, and it will format it nicely for me so that I get nicer breaks and I can see where columns are. Because when I read CSV files that are native, I can't figure out where the columns are separating. 
it's hard to read just natively in an editor. CSV Look as one of the CSV kit tools makes it easier to actually read. And you should know the data manipulation packages of your language of choice. I'm going to assume it's either R or Python at this point, and I'm just going to talk about R because I'm more familiar with that. So for me, for R, I use the following packages all the time for data manipulation. I use the package called ReadR, R-E-A-D-R. That's got real easy tools for reading CSV files into, into R and writing them back out of R. And it's optimized over the base package tools that do exist in R for that. I use the package ReadXL, R-E-D-X-L. It's the same thing for Excel files. How do I get data of Excel sheets when they're in there? The ReadXL package in R is optimized for doing that. I use the RODBC package and the DBPLYR package to connect to databases. I know how to use SQL language. It allows me to interact with a database directly through, within my program to use SQL to go get it and sometimes even using R commands that I don't have to know SQL to get some of the data out and it'll actually generate it for me sometimes. I use JSON Lite, J-S-O-N-L-I-T-E. That was the package I used in the story I just told you. And that's how I used to read in JSON files and then read them into native data structures in R and then and then manipulate them into tabular formats like data frames in R. I use Lubridate. Lubridate's a package that helps you format and deal with dates. Use it because people have figured out how to deal with date times and dates themselves. Don't reinvent that wheel. Lubridate in R is there for you. And then also I use dplyr and pur just to do inside data manipulations of tables within the R language. All of these are great packages in R that help me deal with just the data aspect of dealing with data. Before the, the pre-processing before models, the post-processing of models, and even sometimes if I have to do multiple models, they help me manipulate models in general or en masse. So learn the basic tools of data in and out for your tool. I grew up on a farm outside of a town of about 800 people. My dad worked at a bank with five people. He was the chief loan officer. He also worked the teller line while others took lunch. He was the sysadmin, actually, of the bank when the bank became computerized. He unclogged toilets and he chased and caught bats in the, in the bank. One time, I love this story, one time when a farmer who he had had a mild stroke, he couldn't zip up his fly, my dad had to reach across the desk and actually had to zip up his fly for him. He loves telling that story because he tells me that's the day that their bank became a full-service bank. Uh, I tell you that because I think you should go and do likewise. No, not zipping up flies, but, but learning how to do all the things that are necessary. Learn all the necessary skills it takes to do your modeling. Don't just assume that it should be handled by someone else. Learn it. Learn the stack. It'll be to your ultimate benefit as a data scientist because you'll be able to turn things around so much faster and just get a better handle on your data overall and on the process. And that's what it takes to be professional in any field is getting to know all the aspects. Even if you don't ultimately practice data engineering at the final end of the pipe, knowing enough of it to get data into your system and out of your system will help your job immensely. And that's it. I'm Matt Pettis. Thanks for listening to the Data Science Happier Warriors podcast. And keep fighting the good fight. This is the morning